Hello, it's been a busy week since we last spoke. There's been a lot happening on the Airbnb front. There's been some developments on pets. And Sue Williams has been at a property conference. I'm Jimmy Thompson. I write the weekly Flat Chat column in the Australian Financial Review and edit the Flat Chat website. And I'm Sue Williams, property journalist and travel writer and author. And this is the Flat Chat Wrap. So, Sue, there's been a lot happening on Airbnb. Have you been up to date with it? Yeah. It's funny, I guess because we're getting closer and closer to New South Wales announcing what the regulations might be. So it does seem that there's an awful lot of controversy still swirling around and lots of fresh controversy as well. Well, yeah, the battle lines have been drawn, um, certainly as far as the proposed register is concerned. Yeah, so people feel a bit differently about that on different sides, don't they? Well, basically, there's two sides. There's Airbnb on one side and everybody else on the other side. <laughs> there is another organization called the Association of Holiday Rental People. I think it's like two guys in a computer. I don't know. Maybe it's huge. But um, yeah, look, they all think that there shouldn't be a register for reasons which are pretty obvious when you look into what has happened in other countries where there's been a register. And everybody else, including stays, which I don't know, have they so changed what, what their name? what happens when they have a register in other countries? The, the number of people doing Airbnb falls dramatically. Dramatically. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. Um, in Japan last year, they brought in a registry and they, I think they went down by 80%. Wow. And that's because people were doing it kind of illegally or not, not declaring their tax returns or what those kind of Those two things. Um, like they weren't allowed to have holiday lets. We shouldn't. Just it's not just Airbnb. I mean, there are other. There's something like 50 different websites, niche websites, doing holiday rentals. But uh, basically, they weren't allowed to have holiday rentals in their buildings, um, either because of local council zoning or because of bylaws in their buildings. Some of them weren't paying tax. Some of them didn't think it was serious. Mm-hmm. And and now that is the evidence for that is that the numbers are starting to creep up again. But you have to assume that some people went well, big deal. You know, I don't want to get a registration number, but it turns out that the agreement with the government and the the hosting websites was that if they didn't have a serial number from the local council, they couldn't list on the website. So they got delisted. Right. So they had to register. They had to register. Absolutely. Because if they don't have to, they won't do it. I mean, these are people who've been encouraged to basically break the law, break the planning laws, you know. Forget your planning laws, forget your zoning, just put your house on the market for, or your flat on the market for uh, holiday letting. Forget the fact that it says in the development application, the development approval, under no circumstances should these apartments be used for, for holiday lets. And they've been encouraged just to ignore that and go ahead and do it. So you can't imagine that they'd be rushing to um, keep the law every, you know, to its absolute letter. Yeah, and that's a much more effective way, isn't it, denying them a listing than actually imposing penalties on people who don't register. It's very simple. It's Mm. very, very, very simple. And that's the problem with our politicians and our bureaucrats. They say they don't want red tape, but as soon as you give them an issue like this, they go, oh, we've got to find, you know, all these different components of can people do this and can people do that? It's really simple. You go to your council You get a registration number for the property and you get a registration number for yourself as the host. And if the letting agency doesn't have both of those things, then you're delisted. 
Right. Well, it sounds eminently sensible. And I think the other major player, which is Stays, they're, they're quite in favour of, of registration, aren't they? Very much so. I mean, we have to remember that they tend to operate in the rural areas, partly, you know, the, the traditional holiday let homes near the seaside. But what they say, their official line is that it's the only way to work out uh, how significant the industry is so that, you know, you find out how many people are really doing it and then government can start developing policies based on the reality rather than just the publicity. Mm, that sounds a very good, sensible idea. And I think elsewhere in the country there have been some developments as well, haven't there, with, with um, short-term holiday lets? Well, yeah, WA, um, which we tend to forget about for some reason, I mean, they've got 20,000 holiday lets in WA that well, the government has identified. Presumably Perth and around the Margaret River and... Very much in those areas, and they they reckon that sixty percent or more of them are whole home lets. You know, so these are properties that have effectively been taken out of the residential market and put online as holiday lets. They've been quite clever. They've waited to see what everybody else has done, and then kind of come up with an amalgam of the best of everybody else's legislation. Okay, what what is the best? Well, first of all, they're gonna. I mean, these are just proposals in a. a a discussion paper mm. that they issued just this week. But uh, first of all, they think that their model bylaws should include one bylaw that says, yes, you can have holiday lets in this building, and another bylaw that says, no, you can't. So when new properties are set up, at least they've got a choice. You know, they can say, well, we want bylaw A or B, which it just brings it, idea. yeah, it puts mm. it in people's thinking, if nothing mm. else. Mm. And so that would make one building more attractive to some people who want to rent out a lot of the time, and another building might be more attractive to people who want to be owner-occupiers. So they would choose one building rather than the other building. Yeah, and it would be clear up front. And that's another thing that they've pushed for in this these proposals, transparency on the sale of properties. So they want the real estate agents and the marketers, of property marketers, to say up front, we have marketed this to potential holiday let people so that when you go to buy, they they have to tell you, you know, there are people who are buying in to use this as a holiday let. So as an, a, a purchaser, you can say, well, I don't want to be there. You know, mm. I don't want to be in a, I don't want to be in a hotel. I want to be in a, a, a residential building. Or if you were an investor, you'd say, okay, great, fantastic. I want to buy that apartment. Yeah, because then you can save money on, you know, um, you know, just by having uh, lots of people in the building using the same property management companies and that kind of thing. Sure, and if the iron ore industry picks up again, well, that would change the whole game. <laughs> <laughs> all these, all these people workers will be taking over the holiday lets. Mm. But most of them live in camps, don't they? Mining camps. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're, they're attractive places. Well, actually, they're not bad because I, I went to a few when I was doing a book about the outback and. Um, they were actually quite pleasant. They were kind of like holiday camps, really. Really? And, I mean, you had rooms where you had two guys sharing a room and stuff. But it was kind of interesting. It was nearly all male, though. I mean, I wouldn't fancy working there for many reasons. Do you think some of these camps are coming up on Airbnb now? <laughs> that would be interesting because some of them might be quite empty. It was funny going there as a woman because you were told what you could and couldn't wear. Right. And it had things like no cut, low-cut dresses, right. no short skirts, wow. no high heels. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yes, I guess... It's like prison. 
Well, well, those are the rules they tell you. You go into a man's prison as a woman, they tell you, you so, know, you've got to dress modestly. Mm, yeah. For obvious reasons. These are yeah. guys who are locked up with no sign of women. Sure. And I mean, there's a lot more women in the mining industry now as well. So Yeah. Didn't um, you go into a pub that had a woman in lingerie or something like that? Yes. Um, I went into a pub. It was the only pub open in Port Hedland at night. And right. um, I walked in and I thought, this is weird. I'm the only woman here. Oh, no, there are other women. Oh, those women don't have many clothes on. <laughs> yes, it was a, it was a not a little bit confronting experience. Yes, absolutely. Well, that's you know, if you uh, do book an Airbnb in Port, Port Hedland, you know what to expect when you go to the pub. <laughs> the WA, they also want to change their planning laws so that the DA says this building you can have genuine sharing, i.e., you can rent a room in your apartment or you know in your house. If you're there, right? Well, so they actually distinguish between hosted and unhosted yeah. Airbnb. Genuine stage. sharing or fake sharing, yeah. you know, where, you know, this sharing idea that you're not actually there to share anything with your holiday-making tent. I think it's great because I think that, I mean, a lot of people, for reasons that are beyond me, think I'm against Airbnb. I actually love the original concept of Airbnb, which is you've got a spare room, Somebody coming from overseas comes and stays with you for a few nights. You show them your favorite cafes, your yep. favorite bars, how to get the bus to wherever they want to go, that kind of thing. I think that's a great idea. But of course, now it's just so it's big business. It's yep. corrupted totally. Mm. And I say corrupted, not corrupt. <laughs> <laughs> just in case there are any Airbnb lawyers listening. So that's a few aspects of the uh, WA proposals, which seem to me to make perfect sense. They see the spread, it's spreading there just as it is everywhere else. They see the need to control it. They w don't want to stop it because they depend on tourism just as much sure. as anywhere else in Australia. But they don't want every residential building to turn into uh, a hotel. Oh, how simple it would be if we just had federal law rather than... How often have we said that yeah, <laughs> and, and flat chat? Well, hopefully we'll all come up with a really good um, solution to some of the issues that, that short-term letting throws up. Well, I worry about Victoria. And I think Victoria has just basically handed the whole thing over to the holiday letting industry and said, we don't care. Mm. We don't care what you do. Don't make too much of a mess too often. Like three strikes. Like you've got to have an apartment has to have had basically a riot three times before the owner's corporation can do anything. You would think once would be enough. Twice would definitely be enough. But no, you get three shots at it. Mm. Um, the, the methods for controlling it are very limited. You cannot have bylaws in Victoria to limit short-term letting. And I, you know, I was thinking about it the other day and I think, Maybe they just hate people who live in apartments. Maybe they think, you know, it's that attitude of, well, you made your bed lie in it. Yeah, I think that's quite possible, really. Because, you know, it's a Labour government in Victoria. Maybe they just don't like the idea of looking after homeowners. It seems bizarre to me, but I can't think of any other reason why they would just go, oh, this American company is going to take over apartment blocks or allow people who have holiday lets to take over apartment blocks, and we're going to do nothing about it. Mm. They hate us. <laughs> well, it's interesting, in New South Wales, we had almost exactly the same laws or lack of laws. And then one MP, and I, I have a feeling it was John Sedoti, 
who has been in the news for other reasons. He was the one who said right at the last minute, hang on a minute, are you really going to hand over apartment blocks mm. to holiday lets? My constituents will go nuts if you do that. Are there a lot more apartment dwellers in New South Wales than there are in Victoria as a percentage? Um, there is a higher percentage, but uh, the growth of holiday lets in New South Wales over the past years has been 25%. In Victoria and Melbourne, it's been 75%. <gasps> Wow. Oh, they're going nuts there. It's um, one MP got herself a, uh, she's a country MP in Victoria, and she got herself a little bolt hole flat in Melbourne so she could attend Parliament and stay overnight and discovered that something like, she, I think she said 50% of the apartments were on Airbnb or on holiday lighting agencies. Wow. And she was shocked, but, you know, she was a minority MP. She was a Nationals member, and they were in the minor- minority there. Mm. I guess so many of their apartments are in Melbourne city centre and also in Docklands. Docklands is a big area for them, huge area for them. And I mean, basically, it's Docklands and South Yarra and down near St Kilda. Yeah, St Kilda. And and this is where our good friends at Airbnb get a bit cute about things because they'll say, look, it's less than 0.9% of the apartments or the homes in the city are given over to holiday lights. And you go, yeah, but if you actually look at the areas mm. where the holiday lights are popular, it's up about 12% in some areas. We're getting the same as happening in Europe, the hollowing out of cities, you know, like they've had the problem in Barcelona and Amsterdam and Paris, where, you know, they, the slogan is live like a local. Yeah, well, where are the locals living? Because <laughs> they're not here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Sue, you've got a story coming up in the Sydney Morning Herald about pets. Yes, I have. Um, I think in Sydney, more and more apartment buildings now like to admit pets. But there are a few which um, are still solidly refusing to allow pets in because they say dogs and cats can't possibly live in apartments. They should live in houses with backyards, which, as we know, is nonsense, really, because many animals live quite happily in apartments all their lives. One of Sydney's biggest buildings has always banned animals. And one of the owners who wanted to have a dog, because he's he's not very well and he needs to go out walking a lot more, and he, so he wants a dog to accompany him. All right. It's a man who is not very well, not the dog. Oh, no, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> he took um, his building to NCAT and said that the law against pets was unconscionable, and NCAT last week agreed. Oh, wow. And so it's a huge victory. I mean, there's been a lot of people fighting for pets to be allowed in that building for a long, long time. And this is the first time that they've had any sign of of winning the battle to get get them. And in this same building, there is one person who has a dog. Well, there's a few people who secrete animals around, but there's one person who has a dog, and she bought an apartment there, but was living in a rented apartment nearby because she knew she couldn't come there with her dog but her dog was very sick um, it's got kidney disease so she expected her dog to die yeah and happily the dog is still alive and it's uh-huh. been living and living and living and when her lease ran out on her rented place and her tenant left unexpectedly in her the place that she owns yeah she moved in with her dog and right. said to the committee look i'm really sorry but my dog's got you know chronic renal failure and it will be dead very soon but the committee <laughs> basically said, no, you're not allowed to have your dog here. Go and live somewhere else. 
And she said, well, I just can't. And so in the end, they have taken her to NCAT. And they are proposing, you know, that that she'd be punished for not obeying the bylaws. Uh And the part of that punishment that she should be fined about $1,000 a week for every week she has uh, flouted the bylaws. Now, are they they proposing this at NCAT or have they just come out with the fine? No, they're proposing it at NCAT. NCAT's never going to go for that. No, I wouldn't have thought so. It's not especially not legal, after, no, really. especially not after that rule, the recent ruling. Well, no, that's right. She's, I mean, she's delighted because she's saying, well, how on earth can these people keep pushing this bylaw, but now it's been um, denounced as being unconscionable? Right. So there's another person in the building who has had a child by surrogacy. Right. Um, just a little kitty who's two years old. And she can't have another child, but so she really wants a companion for her little boy. Right. So she wants a dog. You know, it's all these kind of little stories. In yeah, a they're human building. stories. Yeah, they're, absolutely. You know. And I think lots of baby boomers are moving into apartments now and empty nesters. And, you know, apartment living is fantastic for older people, but some of them want to come in with their, you know, family pet. Some of them may be widowed and a bit lonely and they want a pet for company. So I think... It will. It's a. It's a great thing that they've just won. But but the building is likely to appeal the ruling, so it's likely to be a long drawn out battle, really, which you know will be very expensive for everybody involved and yeah. involve a lot of heartbreak as well. So, folks, if you're in a building where your committee is insisting on fighting this battle, which there's been a few decisions like this recently, so they're probably going to lose, and they're probably going to be spending your money on lawyers, and they're probably going to. It's going to waste that money. So you need to talk to your committee and ask them, why are you fighting this this battle? I mean, I'm told, if I'm thinking this is the same building that I've heard about, 30% of people want pets, 30% of people don't want pets, and 30% of people don't care. And Well, that leaves 10% of people. I don't think they care either. Uh, that's the so 10% of people who haven't heard. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, there's another big building which is um, facing another um, application in NCAT to overturn their their anti-pet bylaw as well, and another company title building nearby which is is involved in a battle too. It's kind of one of those things, I think, in the end, it's going to be inevitable that pets are allowed in buildings. Um, Well, yeah, you know know me. I, I love pets. I love the idea of pets in buildings. I like what pets do to communities, especially with older people and lonely people. They're just, they're so beneficial. It's almost an act of cruelty to deny them. However, there are members of our society who, for various reasons, it could be religious or health reasons or whatever, cannot live in the same building as animals. Where do they go? Yeah, maybe in the end they go to company title buildings, which have an avowed policy to not admit pets, and where, you know, during that, you kind of have an interview at the beginning by the board of directors, don't you really? Um, and they talk to you and decide whether they want, they're going to allow you to buy shares in the company and therefore move into the yeah. to the apartment building. So maybe it will end up with just those smaller boutique kind of buildings there will be a few that will say, no, we don't allow pets in here. Maybe those people will end up living in those. Or maybe it's a new buildings can actually put it in their bylaws at the beginning that this building is pet-free for these reasons, for people yeah. who just don't want to be around pets of any kind. 
for whatever your reasons are, this building will never have pets, so that people know from day one. I mean, some of these buildings would say it's always been on our bylaws that there would be no pets, but there always seems to be some sort of wriggle room, you know, that you find out a lot of cases, members of the committee who are against pets. No, they're actually against other people having pets. <laughs> well, in this building that I'm talking about, um, they discovered that a committee member had a pet and in the end he resigned from the committee <laughs> because, you know, how could you possibly be a member of a committee avowedly saying pets aren't allowed? It's kind of funny because I think there's a lot of fear-mongering goes on. Um, I think a lot of people in that building were saying, oh, there'll be a hundred Alsatians running around the corridors. <laughs> Which it and always happens. And they'll all be... Packs of dogs, like the Chernobyl dogs will be. That's right. <laughs> and they actually put out a survey to all the residents saying, you know, what do you think about pets? But it, the survey, some of the questions, one was, um, how would you feel if a, a snake lived next door to you? <laughs> <laughs> and as you know, we've had a snake live yeah, next door to us. It was fine. It was absolutely fine. They're very quiet snakes. And they deal with the rats very quickly. <laughs> just don't have snakes on one side and rats on the other then you could have major problems <laughs> that's right so it's interesting to see you know buildings kind of go through this situation and yes there, there may be valid reasons why why people don't want pets but at the end of the day you know you can't actually say that pets don't belong in apartments because these days i mean there's so many little fluffy dogs around greyhounds are great apartment dogs um, as we know, Great Danes are fantastic yeah, apartment yeah, dogs too absolutely. because they're so lazy. Yeah. And cats, they're just happy if they've got something to eat and someone to play with them, yeah. really. Jack Russells. Avoid Jack Russells. Oh, oh look, they're lovely no, dogs. We know someone with one of those. Yeah, but you, yeah, it's true. But a Jack Russell, I mean, any dog that's ter territorial, any dog that wants to defend you, which is the kind of dog you want, really, but uh, they, some dogs, as soon as they hear a noise in the corridor, they feel... A compulsion to run up to the door and bark at whatever they hear and that's you're at work you don't hear it yeah but i i personally believe that any bad dog is actually about a bad owner rather than a bad dog mm. if the owner has trained them properly yeah. then the dog will behave appropriately keep keep the dogs evict the owners <laughs> and it's interesting one of the buildings that bans animals and um, which is being challenged at the moment um they've had their penthouse up for sale for a long long time and nobody's bought it and one of the reasons, possibly, is that um, lots of people in that area actually own pets. Yeah. And so nobody wants to buy into a building that doesn't allow pets and, yeah. and spend, I don't know, $20 million on an apartment that says, no, you can't keep your cat here or your dog here. I've heard various figures on the number of families in Australia who own pets, and it's between 30 and 60%. Mm. Just imagine putting the argument to your owners to that 40 percent of owners who don't care say how do you feel about the fact that when you put your apartment on the market to sell or rent 60 percent of potential buyers won't turn up because there's no pets allowed sure that's that's a thought isn't yeah. it I mean, it's a real thought it just diminishes Absolutely. the value the potential value and you can all you can always control pets with bylaws um bylaws about barking dogs um bylaws by about allowing cats to wander on common property you know which shouldn't be allowed those you know you can always kind of keep them under control in that way it's funny you should say that because there's a, a thread just started on the flat chat forum um, where somebody says there's a woman in our building keeps feeding stray cats and uh, how can we get her to stop 
Mm. They've put up signs saying cats not allowed in common property. Mm. But apparently these cats can't read, so... (laughs) Or they don't care about the bylaws. Well, some people have problems with um, people feeding cockatoos on their balconies because they're so destructive. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's a similar kind of thing. And you just have to have a bylaw to try and stop it, really. Actually, this person who wrote this uh, post said, oh, we had a tree where ibis used to roost. So we got rid of the tree so we could get rid of the ibis. How do we get rid of the cats? And I'm thinking, this guy just hates animals. (laughs) This is not David Attenborough we're talking to here. Well, yeah, and I mean, there are some people who don't like animals, and that's fair enough. But I mean, most buildings with um, that allow animals, if people get into the lift, you know, usually the the pet owners will always say, "Is it okay if I have my dog in here with me?" And if someone says, "No, I'm scared of dogs or something," most pet owners will say, "No, no, that's fine. You carry on." You know, so I think most pet owners are really considerate towards people who are a bit scared of animals too. You just reminded me of a story in the building. Uh, this very building, uh, running a campaign to have pets allowed, and the person r- leading the campaign was was bailed up by the the chairman of the building and told, we've just had a complaint from an old lady about a dog in the lift that licked her without her permission. <laughs> and she's going, oh, God, that's my mother. <laughs> <laughs> yes, no. Well, I think in this building, which is just, you know, NCAT's just ruled against, somebody said on the committee, I was once bitten by a dog, therefore dogs should not be allowed in the building. Right. Crazy. Okay. I was once bitten by a child. Does the same thing apply? So, Sue, this week you've been at a property summit sponsored by the Australian Financial Review, where my column appears every Saturday. Yes, that's right. It was an interesting, it was a a whole day on property. Um, It was about apartments, it was about houses, it was about commercial property as well. And we had Josh Frydenberg come and give us the um, main address, and he was extremely boring. Right. So um, I'm afraid to, to, to tell you, because last year there was a similar property summit and the keynote speaker was John Howard. Oh, right. Um, I'm no fan of John Howard, but he was an extremely entertaining speaker. Right. (laughs) But Josh Frydenberg, sadly, just kind of gave us what sounded like an election campaign address, really. Right. Um, One that he'd left over from a few months ago. Exactly. Just about how the economy is going fabulously well. Right. How good is that? Blah, 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 blah. So, yeah, so that, that wasn't very interesting. But there were a host of other speakers, and it was it was fascinating because they were talking about um, interest rates and how interest rates are likely to fall and fall and fall. Mm. And it's the Arctic winter of interest rates right. and eternal sunshine for people who have homes or mortgages right. because rates are slipping all the time. And supply of apartments is obviously a problem. Yep. There's been lot of supply in the past, but um, de- development approvals are really down. So apartment building isn't keeping up with population growth. So eventually prices will start rising again. This worries me because the last time there was an undersupply of apartments, governments all over Australia came up with this brilliant idea of self-certification <laughs> to accelerate the, the development approvals. Well, I think they're all being very, very careful now. Yeah, right. Um, many speakers at the conference were talking about the worries about the quality of the build of apartments. And I think no government wants to be seen actually giving development approvals to 
developers who have built bad buildings in the past. No. And they're all kind of looking at better ways to police buildings too. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're, they're saying that, I mean, as you know, there's negative interest rates in some places in the world, in, in places like Japan and Sweden and Denmark. Okay, tell me, negative interest rates, what does that mean to the person who has a mortgage? Sure. Well, usually when you put money in a bank, you get interest on your savings. Yes. But when you have a negative interest rate, the depositors actually pay the bank to keep their money. Oh, right. So they just keep taking money out of your bank account and not putting any in. That's right. Yes, that's right. Well, in fees and services. Yeah, 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 yeah. absolutely. Um, so they've seen a lot of people. So a lot of people don't want to put their money with banks anymore because they don't get a rate of interest. So they might as well keep it under their mattress. But yep. then they have so much money under their mattress, they can't sleep anymore. So they've had a huge run on bank vaults. All right. And if you want to get into any industry, bank vaults seem to be the industry to get in. I mean, I think there's been a a big um, business which has just opened in Sydney city centre. Yeah, yeah. And um, they also operate in Melbourne city centre as well of just um, vaults. I'm thinking security mattresses. <laughs> I think that's the way to go. Well, and one bank in Denmark is now offering negative interest home loans. Okay, now I'm really confused. On a 10-year rate. Right. So basically... Um, you take out a home loan, uh-huh. and basically they pay you to take out the home loan. Okay. So then when you pay back, say every month you pay back money to service the loan, yep. the loan goes down by more than you're actually paying. Right. How does that work for the bank? Because I, I don't know much about banking, but I know that they tend not to give money away. Yeah, well, this, this is a 10-year fixed rate. So maybe they're hoping that in the 11th year, the rate might be much, much higher. They can uh, regain their losses. Right. Well, that's interesting. And they might so it's a able... fixed rate for 10 years on yeah. negative interest. Yeah. I mean, there's only This one... is free money. Yeah. There's only one bank in Denmark which is offering that at the moment, but apparently other banks in negative interest countries looking at its business model as well. And they obviously, the reason they're making it a 10-year uh, loan is because they don't see the economy picking up significantly in in the next 10 years. Well, yeah. I mean, the reason that people have or governments allow negative um, interest rates is to encourage borrowers to borrow money and encourage them to spend money. And uh, on apartments. Yeah, to try Of which there is a shortage. (laughs) Which to try and create some kind of inflation and economic activity. And then if the economy picks up, obviously, you know, the banking sector picks up, everybody kind of picks up, really. So just to summarise all this, we're at the bottom, apparently, of the property market. We're at the bottom or very close to the bottom, yes. There's a shortage of apartments. uh, And houses generally. And houses generally. Interest rates are probably likely to go down rather than up. This might be the time to buy property. Absolutely, if you can find it. (laughs) If you can find it, yeah. But, you know, in the longer term, if you were looking at it as an investment, Mm. all the arrows seem to be pointing at buy, buy, buy. Yeah, except because supply is limited, prices are going up a bit. So So get in now or... Yeah, absolutely. Not that we give advice on this. The financial advice, yes. And this is not financial advice that we'll be taking because uh, it's just too complicated. But But everybody at this conference was saying, 
We are living in extraordinary times, and it's just fascinating to see how this is all going to pan out. Yeah, and extraordinary times, a little bit too interesting. What's that Chinese <laughs> curse? May you live in interesting, interesting times. times. Yeah, well, we're certainly living in interesting times. Sue, thank you so much for coming along and chatting to us again. That was very interesting, informative and entertaining. Ah, pleasure, Jimmy. Well, that's the Flat Chat Podcast for another week. If you enjoy these podcasts, please subscribe. It's completely free and it will come straight to your phone or your pad or your computer without you even having to think about it. If there's something that we haven't done in the podcast that you'd like to hear, let us know. Come to the website flat-chat.com.au and that's also where you can come for specific advice to ask questions or answer other people's questions. Thanks for listening. Talk to you again soon. Music